Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Hi, it's Michael Smirkanish. Welcome to Book Club with Michael Smirkanish, a collection of Michael's favorite interviews with authors from the last 30 years through today, on the air, on radio. What sets my book club apart is that I actually read the books. Book Club is now in session. Jim Steele is a Pulitzer Prize winner. He is one half of the franchise of Barlet and Steele. Do you remember their best-selling number one New York Times best-selling book from the early 90s, America, What Went Wrong? They are back with an update. This is Jim Steele. Hey, Jim, thanks so much. I hope you've been well. Great to be with you, Michael. Yes, I've been well. I'm, I, I, um, I'm eager to chat with you and reflecting not only on having interviewed you in the past, but I'm remembering a great night that we had the three of us, I mean, you two obviously were the headliners, but I interviewed you at the Bucks County Playhouse in New Hope. We had a packed house and a great conversation. I remember that very well. I remember the uh, enthusiasm of the audience, uh, the great questions you threw out. It was just a memorable night in every way. So let's let's remind folks and educate those who don't remember Barlett and Steele. It was the early 1990s. The two of you were at the Philadelphia Inquirer. And my recollection is that there were a series of articles that then sparked such a reaction that they morphed into what became the book. Am am I right in believing you didn't have a book in mind, but rather this was an investigative series? 
That's exactly right. And in fact, the extent of this series was initially much more limited than what turned out to be. Just the deeper we got into it, uh, the more we saw how endangered the middle class was, the more we saw how the whole economic system was turning against the middle. We saw how people who couldn't figure out why they were losing ground, but there were explanations for it. All of that led to uh, actually one of the longest series in the history of journalism and newspapers. But there was no idea of a book. Uh, it was just telling that story. But the reaction was so astonishing. People lined up for blocks outside the building to get copies of the paper. Uh, people were phoning from all over the country because word of it spread. And that's what led us to expand it and uh, turn it into a book a few months later. And Bill Clinton, then running for president in that 92 cycle, would wave your book at rallies and tell people that it had profoundly influenced his thinking. He did. And, and amazingly, just two years ago in the New York Times, he gave an interview about books that had influenced him. And he talked about fiction, nonfiction. And he said one of the books that influenced his thinking economically was America What Went Wrong and made him committed to try to figure out ways to level the playing field for working people in America. So it's still with him to this day, in fact, which is fascinating. So you wrote a book with your partner, Don Barlett, America What Went Wrong, dare I say, before people knew in the country that something had gone wrong. What is it that you saw? What were the tea leaves you were reading that others had not yet seen? We saw patterns and working people and the middle class where uh, they were losing good-paying jobs. They were finding other jobs that didn't pay as much. They were sometimes having to sacrifice their health care or giving it up entirely because corporations were scaling back. Uh, their pensions were endangered, certainly in the private sector. A whole range of things were impacting middle-class, working-class life. And it was across the board. It wasn't just in one region of the country. We talked to people in California and West Virginia, uh, New York, Pennsylvania, uh, on, all over the country, all parts of the Midwest. And everywhere we talked to people, it sounded like we were talking to the same people, even though there were different jobs, different industries. Uh, and that's when we realized some massive movement was affecting the middle class. One of the things that was so controversial about the original series, it's not, even, it's not controversial now, we warned, we said, there's going to be tremendous income inequality in this country unless we change our direction. And we were roundly criticized by a lot of people. And I said, no, this is middle class is fine. Don't worry about it. Everything will work itself out. A little dip in the economy here, but all that will be history before you know it. Well, we know how that worked out, right? There's more income inequality now than any time in the last 100-plus years. So. Uh, that, unfortunately, was one of the predictions we made that I'm sorry has turned out to be true. You you warned of a two-class society, and the economists of the era said, no, no, this is just the typical ebb and flow of a recession. Didn't they have verbiage for it? They called it creative destruction? That's exactly what they called it. And, of course, it, well, that definitely was destruction. But it wasn't very creative because it was eliminating jobs that were not being replaced by other good-paying jobs. And that was the point of much of the series. It wasn't the story about employment or unemployment rates. And that's why in the new book we have the same situation. It's like before COVID, unemployment was down to 3.5%. But what was disguised by those numbers is that a lot of people were working two jobs. Some people are actually working more than two jobs, so that definitely will drive the rate down. But they had to do that in order to support their families and support themselves. So 
the, the macro numbers back then and, and now recently do not tell the story at the bottom what people are going through. And that's that's kind of the underlying message of, of the new book as well as the old one. So the, the, the original book came out in, in 92. The original book was America, What Went Wrong? I hope I don't skip something in the interim. I know you followed it up with The Betrayal of the American Dream. That was in yes. 2012. Yes. And This is the Book Club with Michael Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. And now you are updating America. What went wrong? The crisis deepens. Exactly. And what we've done with this book, we've actually gone back to the original and looked at the main points, uh, what people were making, what was happening with health care, what was happening with pensions, deregulation, trade and so forth. We've looked at those specific points in the original book and just updated them to see what 
the progression has been. And like pensions, for example, is just, it's almost, it's tragic. Like the private workforce today, only 2% of the private workforce is covered by pension plans today. You go back uh, 30 years ago, and that was close to 30%. And that's going to have tremendous ramifications. Yeah, for, I was thinking you better define what, pen, what pension means. People listening to this, they have no idea what that word even means. Exactly. No, this is like something out of the dark ages at this point, the way they've been eliminated, because 401ks have replaced them. There's nothing wrong with 401ks. They just don't provide the income that people need uh, generally in retirement unless you're at the very top of the income ladder. Jim, what I what I remember respecting in the book is that I could follow it. It was not written in prose and with a level of sophistication that was beyond me. And you had examples. There was a company in Nebraska that made, I wonder if people will, will remember, because at the time it was much more popular, the vice grip. The vice grip, yes. The vi- yes. Can, will you, do you mind summarizing the tale of the vice grip? I'm happy to because it's it's a classic American story. This is a little town in the middle of Nebraska where decades and decades ago uh, a Danish immigrant came up with a – he invented the vice grip. This was a way to, to put pliers on something and clamp them on. Uh, it, sounds, it sounds so simple. It was a revolutionary thing, and uh, the company prospered for years. They had more people working at the plant than actually lived in the town classic American story of innovation. Uh, They kept changing it over the years to make it better. They even developed foreign markets for it. It supplied uh, the British in World War II, as I recall, Uh, some of the the British war war machine. Anyway, an amazing thing. It was then taken over by uh, a conglomerate, an American conglomerate, which immediately closed the plant and transferred all the work to southern China, uh, leaving out of work all those people who had sent their kids there, their their parents had worked there. It had been a wonderful entity in that town. So it wasn't a matter that the product was was suddenly obsolete. It was just that the people who were making it was were obsolete based on the bottom line of that particular corporation. And, we and saw the, that over and over again in many, many different cases. Well, isn't it fair to say that the the takeaway, a takeaway, is that free trade wasn't making sense for vice grip? It was not making sense for vice grip, and uh, it was one of, the, one of the problems with free trade is that when you have a country like China, uh, in effect, subsidizing some of its manufacturers, how does an American company compete with that? I mean, it's not a level playing field, and uh, there were many examples of that particular kind of... Uh, imbalance in our trading system and those those eliminated you know the our trade policy eliminated uh really millions of manufacturing jobs over the years and those were great jobs that paid money had great benefits and that was another one of the reasons the middle class working class has been hammered so much the last few decades the, the only two books that i know that he's read are art of the deal and and two corinthians at least one section of one other book but otherwise, I would say that Donald Trump read your book in 92 or 93 and wrote it to victory in 2016. These are, these are the themes of his populist revolt. Well, there's a lot in what you're saying, because I think one of the reasons he rode to victory was that a lot of the, the elites in this country on both parties were 
constantly downplaying the impact of free trade. And that was a message we kept repeating over and over again. Listen to this. These people are hurting. You must figure out a way, whether it's retraining, whether it's tougher trade policies or some variation or combination of all this. You've got to do something because this is a whole segment of our society that's losing ground, and it's not really their fault. They're as hardworking as ever, and they'll happily go to work for whatever is required to do the job, be retrained, whatever. But don't just toss them out the door. And that's what we did decade after decade, and that's what he tapped into uh, quite successfully. What did you get wrong? I guess uh, what we got wrong was that we didn't realize how rapid these trends would accelerate. We we could see what was happening to the middle class, the working class, and we knew that if they continued on that on that trajectory, uh, things would be worse and worse for them. But I think we thought maybe some of these things might be corrected along the way, or at least some attempt might be done. Obamacare at least tried to plug the uninsured health issue. But that was a rather modest attempt, as controversial as it was. So I think we didn't realize how much faster a lot of these trends would accelerate. I mean, back in 92, uh, we had to figure the top 1% of the population accounted for roughly 14% of total income reported to the IRS. Uh, by 2017, that top 1%, it was 21%. You know, more and more money flowing to the top. And that 21% is even before uh, the largest from the big Trump tax bill of 2017 put even more money into the top 1% of pockets. So we, it seemed inconceivable to us, I think, when we wrote it, that all of these trends would continue at the rate they were and actually would even intensify. I mean, that's why we have such a, such a crisis out there of the middle class and working class. I mean, people are really desperate. I mean, we saw that uh, after the COVID, people lined up a, block, a, a week or two after uh, the virus hit and they lost their job. Miles of cars and trucks waiting for boxes of food. These weren't people who were rounded up underneath viaducts, homeless people. These were middle-class working people, people who were right on the edge. And that's why it's, it's to us, a really desperate situation for a lot of people. This is Jim Steele. His writing partner is Donald Barlett. They are the gents who brought us America, what went wrong, followed it up with the betrayal of the American dream, but most importantly now have released America, what went wrong, the crisis deepens. When they first published their book, not only did all of their effort earn each of them a Pulitzer Prize, but it was the number one New York Times bestseller. Okay, here's the most important question of all. Is it too late? No, it's not too late. I mean, uh, I don't. We lay out in the in the end of this book, and this is this is where this book is a lot different than the original one. There's an epilogue that lays out in much more detail some of the things we could do in this country. We probably can't do them all at once. We, we can't attack everything, but we can certainly attack uh, health care. We can do some things on pensions. We can infuse the economy with the kind of proper stimulus that will create jobs. And I don't mean. $1,000 checks for everybody or $5,000 checks, and no matter how welcome those are right now to people who are without work, I'm talking about a fundamental restructuring of the, of the economy where we lay out a plan, we stick with it for a few years, 
and we say the middle class, the working class needs to be saved. These are the things we need to do. We need to do this over some period of time. That's a big order. It can be done. It requires uh, some cooperation by both parties, which, as you know so well, we haven't had much <laughs> for a while. Uh, but it can be done, uh, and it may have to get worse before that happens. But uh, in that sense, I'm an optimist. It just may not happen on the time, the time scale that I would like it to happen. One last area, if I may. I remember the 92 book being very damning of Wall Street and of Washington. Not that they had a conspiracy, a deliberate plan, but that they just weren't acting in the best interest of the middle class. What else has occurred, assuming that that's correct, is, as Tom Friedman would say, the world is now flat. Technology has altered things, and a lot of these jobs were destined for obsolescence. Isn't that also true? Some jobs are, and in fact, the whole evolution and the introduction of, of robots into many uh, manufacturing operations just kind of buttresses exactly what you're saying. Uh, but Wall Street still has tremendous sway, and the best example of this, uh, the, the whole private equity industry was actually almost in its infancy uh, when we wrote the original book. Though there were any number of takeovers and uh, hostile operations that put companies out of business. That's been a lot more aggressive since the late 80s, early 90s. I mean, Payless Shoes was a company that used to be around, now gone, uh, because of a hostile takeover where the takeover folks all made plenty of money, but those shoe stores are all gone. There used to be thousands of those stores employing thousands of workers, all gone. And the same thing is true Toys R Us and a whole range of others where Wall Street has done that. But, but one of the most dramatic ones is in that Trump tax bill where uh, the tax writers agreed to let companies that had all of this money offshore bring some of it back at a bargain basement tax rate of 5%. Well, much of the argument to do that said, well, this will invest it in the country. We will, you know, plants, equipment, uh, jobs. Well, the New York Fed, which is not exactly a bastion of left-wing think tankers, right? I mean, they concluded that the money that's come back has gone mainly into stock buybacks, uh, dividend payments, uh, CEO salaries. So what that means is, Congress gave them this right to bring back millions and millions of dollars, and it has done nothing to stimulate our economy. So I think in the future, when we do things like that, there ought to be a policeman on the beat to make sure that that money is spent in some way that benefits Americans as a whole, not just a handful of people. Can you leave me with any good news? Well, I think uh, some of the Democratic, uh, you know, Don and I are have always been very nonpartisan. We look at this, that, and the other thing. I will say this. A lot of the, the Democratic Party platform on taxes makes a lot more sense than the Republican platform on taxes. That's one thing. Uh, I think the Trump era has been so strange in terms of the way all of our alignments are, including the Republican Party itself. It's hard to tell what the future holds on that. But I'm kind of an optimist, not in the short term, but and it just may have to get a lot worse but we can't let the middle class completely implode. I mean, it is the heart of America. This is who we are. This is why people want to come to the U.S. Uh, it's the beacon of, the, of, our, of our whole civilization. And uh, if it gets any more desperate, 
uh, I feel we might even have more civil unrest. So I'm hoping that we come to grips with that. And uh, and in that sense, I'm always a long-term optimist. It may be some short-term bumps along the way to get there, though. Man, oh, man, you never disappoint. That was excellent. That was well, really great. I, I can't thank you enough. Well, Michael, you were... Uh, you always ask the right questions, so that's why it nah, makes it easy. Nah. Easy I just, I just, resp- <laughs> I just respect the effort that went into this, and it, it also sort of pains me to think that today you probably couldn't get a newspaper in the country to cut loose Barlet and Steele and say, "Oh, okay, have at it, go figure this out." Well, you're, one of the things that was so astonishing about the original series, which was the longest thing we ever wrote for the Philadelphia Inquirer by far. Uh, was the editor at the time, Max King, uh, had the courage to uh, go with this gigantic series. And uh, it was the success of it was borne out by the end. Even the eighth and ninth part, you had as many readers as the first part, which is kind of unheard of. But uh, we had great support at that place because they believed in it, and it turned out uh, it, it touched a nerve with everybody at the time. Yeah, uh, if if that, you build it, they will come, right? Exactly. Do, do you exactly. have a do you have a, in like a scrapbook? Do you have the original print version of the entire series? I have a reprint of it. Yes, yes. Very uh, cool. And in, and in fact, uh, the Philadelphia Inquirer ran uh, last Sunday uh, a couple of little excerpts from the showing the original front. Page I just tweeted those, by the way. I just tweeted okay. them out so that people can access them. Great. And that and that shows you exactly the way the thing began. But uh, incredible. Well, I'll, I'll never forget after the first part ran on a on a Monday. I'm sorry, on a Sunday. That Monday, people were even lined up outside the building before there were even any reprints, just trying to buy extra copies of the paper. Holy so, smokes! Yeah. Wow, wow, Jim, that was terrific. I am really much obliged, and I hope I see you again very soon. Love to see you again, Michael, and thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed talking to you as usual. Thank you. That's Jim Steele, along with Don Barlett. Now you know, as Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story. America, what went wrong? So well told. So well told. Uh, Okay, I'll yield the floor to all of you momentarily. You know the telephone number. It's at 855-486-1776. Let me just make clear that that this, this was not just a trip down memory lane. They've updated the book. America, what went wrong? The crisis deepens. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the Sirius XM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Book Club with Michael Smirconish. New episodes drop Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions.